Hello and welcome to A Beautiful Faith. Henry and I are back. The dream team has been reunited. The goats Um, of podcasting. The last several months have been wild for both of us. They've been really bad. There are things... There, there are things that I, I think both Henry and I, like, we wish we could share on this show, but we can't as far as things that have happened to us individually. Um, however, Henry and I never had a falling out. We just barely talked because we were so busy trying to keep our heads above water like everyone else. Um, the pandemic no, it's shuffle. Good to be, it, is, it is good to be back. Um, it's good to get through the decade of 2020. Uh, that was 2020 and be in 2021. Or as I like to call 2021 so far, uh, 2022 Electric Boogaloo. That is what I like to call 2021. Wow. Is that just because you don't like saying 2021? Correct. Uh, it's also because the the first part of this year just feels like 2020 just continued on. So this just feels like the sequel. Yeah. Is, is Boogaloo really what you should say on an audio recording at a time where the... Uh intelligence community is really trolling the internet oh that's right i've completely forgot about them ah <laughs> oh, i forgot about so that, did everyone who's not a white the, supremacist not the last because the last thing i remember with them is that they're the ones who killed a cop out in california during one of the or around the time of one of the black lives matter protests last summer uh that's the last thing i remember about the boogaloo whatever they're called um I just know that, like on Reddit, it's a running joke that whenever you make up a sequel to something, you just say whatever it is to Electric Boogaloo because it rhymes. That's all. It just it just rolls off the tongue real well. That's where that joke came from. Got it. Um, but no, I yeah no, I would rather not be a white supremacist, and I have no intent on becoming one. Uh, so well, I did not see that coming. Uh, <laughs> things I didn't miss. Sorry. In our in our months of hiatus, I'm glad we shone the kidding. light in the torch with that. You you know that I missed it. I um, know. So let's jump into this. I um, you know, one one of the things that I've really tried to come around on when con- with content creation is giving people what they came for. And uh, while we may go in depth in in a special episode somewhere else, whether that's for Patreon or or, or supporters that way, you know, our, our backers that way, or um, doing just a bonus release, um, we we're gonna skip over the explanation of what happened to us, um, and we're just gonna dive right back into the content. And for those who really do want to hear that story, I think one way or the other it will be released. We just haven't figured out the best way and and when we're gonna when we're gonna do that yet. But that's a um, fancy way of him saying it involves space aliens and weed. Correct, um, and not in that order. So the <laughs> or maybe. Um, so the though I will say this, we are going to be. Th- this is a time of experimentation for us on format, the way we're structuring our our episodes and our episode outlines, and the way we're forming them. So uh, we would really appreciate feedback. Um, so if you reach out to us, email is in the show notes, or just leave a comment uh, and let us know how you feel about the the kind of the feel of the episode. If it feels exactly the same as it did before, that's cool too. Um, it feels different for us and that's what matters. Um, but, and let, let us know if you like it, don't like it, you know, anything like that. We'll, uh, we'll adjust as we go. Um, but that feedback will help us and guide us as we're, as we're nailing, uh, a new way of kind of approaching this show, uh, down. So with that today, we're talking about burnout and uh, which is related to what what we experienced, but not really the whole story. And the reason we wanted to talk about burnout is simply because I think 2020 gave everyone, especially churches, ministry groups, uh, but also content creators, I think it gave everyone the opportunity to grow online. But outside of that, it also gave people the opportunity to pursue their hobbies, to try new things, um, depending on what those new things were. Obviously, you couldn't like try crowd surfing because crowds were not a thing uh, during the pandemic unless you were at a, a protest. Or, or in Florida. Um, or in Florida, correct. Um, or at a, col- uh, at a public college or university. Um, the, but like the bottom line is 2020 actually did present several of us when we were locked down and working from home and no longer had to pretend like we were working for six out of the eight hour workday. Um, you know, it gave us all the opportunity to do new things and, and to spend time with family and, and invest in ourselves. And yet when we look back on 2020, 
that didn't happen for a lot of people. For, like, a surprising number of people. And we all thought, like, this would be the time. If only we had this, you know, if only we had that kind of time. And yet it still didn't. Like, 2020 could have been the year for absurdity, for the Absurd Podcast Network, for A Beautiful Faith, like, to really break out. And when Henry and I were talking, we were like, well... We didn't break out. Didn't? We seemingly we, broke up with our audience. It seems like, yeah, it seems like <laughs> everyone, and everyone did. Every show on the on the podcast network struggled. I would say uh, uh, Burn the Haystack is probably the one that, that struggled the least. And Disruptive Adventism had content banked up for years. Although they're catching up uh, after so they the were fact safe. because of some life events. So it's like, as we're rebooting, they're taking a hiatus. So, Yep. Um, one of their hosts is Moving Countries uh, from New Zealand to mainland Australia. So yeah, they're taking a hiatus for now. But like, yeah, it's just like what happened that in a time where we really did, and I and I can be honest in saying like I did have the time to invest in growing the network and growing the shows. And so the question becomes, why didn't we? And why, and it's not like we want to tell you why we didn't, but it's more a, a kind of a more universal question. In a year where many of us were presented an opportunity to do something that we'd wanted to do or try something new and learn, what happened and why didn't we? And I think that's where we want to, that's where we want, want to kind of enter. So Henry, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on all of that? I mean, yeah, my, my initial reaction, to be honest, was I was just like really confused on the point in the sense that I recognized that it happened, as in nothing happened, but I still couldn't wrap my mind around the idea that it did, right? Mm. So in, in other words, the mental story when I was thinking about burnout or time or like, wow, the pandemic, we get all of this time now or whatnot. The interesting thing is the mental story we all seem to tell ourselves is that if we have more time, we will have more productivity, et cetera. It's like kind of a Western assumption, a societal assumption, mm -hmm. or at least a capitalistic one. And that is more time on the job, more job done, right? So yet we had a ton of time dumped on us, okay, with the government and public health as an excuse, and yet every metric of success relating to time plummeted, right? Like, so we, we fault the government for wasting time, and yet we probably managed to outperform the government in time wasting. I, I absolutely did. I can almost <laughs> guarantee that. I mean, uh, except Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell outdoes everyone when it comes to time wasting. Well, I'm, I'm going to be careful not to uh, get into a good Southern political statement about government efficiency <laughs> versus the people. But anyway... Uh, so one day, not this episode, yeah, not but the, one day I will episode. get you. I will I will get you to go into it. And and by the way, if you if you love Mitch McConnell, we are still glad that you are here. Anyway, I thought about how much the uh if I had more time argument, you know, because I used to say that a lot, because I'd be working, working, working. I was like, if I only had more time, and then the pandemic came and I had all this time and then still nothing. I, I thought the if I had more time argument is probably something I've conditioned myself to use as a mental crutch or a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so I, I justify distraction or struggling on tasks by using that statement about time. And so in a weird sense, I, I think we precondition ourselves to have time as a cop-out. So when a bunch of time lands in your lap, you kind of get like the deer in the headlights where you thought you would never get that much time and all of a sudden you did. So now what do you do with it? Yep. And, yep. and I felt like the possibilities probably froze us. And so then the coping mechanism argument takes over again in a very perverted way, right? So that now that I have time, well, I have plenty of time to figure out what to do with all this time. And well, since we preconditioned ourselves not to do anything more about a situation with time as the argument, now we don't do anything. And the not doing becomes the doing that takes all of the time. And we place ourselves in this holding pattern about not certain how much time we really do have. And then all the time is gone by the time we figure out what time we had. It's a vicious cycle of wastage and a vicious verbal cycle of using the word time way too much in that explanation. See, I mm, uh, I see what you're saying, and I agree for the most part, but I I think it's more than I think it's more than wasting time. Because like the one thing I I, I think I should say, well, I'll I'll hold off on this one for now. But what I will say is I think it's more than just about having the time to do something. Because I think when we say, if only I had to the time to do this. It's with the assumption that other factors in our lives stay pretty much the same, or at least that other factors and other elements of our lives are reduced in order to make that time. However, other elements, especially stress, were not reduced. In fact, they were increased Increased, in many ways. Like I had to completely 
revamp. I had to completely reinvent over half of my full-time job. Yeah. Because both functions of that job were impossible. I run a, I run for part of my job, I run a praise and worship ministry, a traveling praise and worship group, essentially, of college students. In a time of no travel. And no praise and worship in public events because there's no public gatherings. And no so singing. It's like, and those students get scholarships. So how do I maintain their scholarships when they can't do the core function of what they're on, what they're receiving the scholarship for, right? So that's where like my stress level increased because I had to completely transform the way that I do my job. Yeah. And for most of us, we were home more, but we still were working from home. And so it was, it was not, it was more so all of our energy and the time that we had got, got refocused into how do we do the things we used to do differently and learning. And on top of that, like parents had to figure out how do I, you know, how do I watch my kids when uh, they, they're not at school anymore? And, but I still have to go to work because I'm an essential worker in whatever organization or company, right? Like I think, I think the problem with the pandemic for the most part in 2020 was Yes, we all got time, but that time also came with a whole slew of new problems and challenges that um, that that forced us to, if it wasn't our time, it took up all of our energy and mental space. I, I could see that. I mean, even in my own life, there was a lot of transition that took place even in the pandemic because then some companies thought, well, since there's all this time, now is the least disruptive time to transition things or to shift things. Well, all of a sudden, for the people involved in that, it becomes quite time-consuming. Yeah. Right. So then all your yeah. time has just been reallocated independent of your own, what do I do with my time? Exactly. Absolutely. And it's so frustrating to see that because- Yeah, don't sell again, a house like, in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, uh, absolutely. But I think, too, I, I think in the, in the beginning of this, I realized how hypocritical I was because, or not in the beginning of this, when I say the beginning of this, what I mean is- in the beginning of us like coming up with this topic and as I sat down to really think about this and, and thought about what I, you know, what I wanted to touch on, I realized how hypocritical I had been because for the last six months or so, potentially eight months since summer, basically, I have been harping on churches and pastors and church leaders of all different types and levels. Uh, I've been harping on them to say, basically, like, if you see this pandemic as a problem, then you'll never grow. And the churches that see it as an opportunity and see the opportunity to start online ministry or to do more to serve their neighbors in creative and, and you know, safe, socially distanced ways, um, those are the churches that are going to grow both during and after the pandemic. And I was like, yeah, if you don't learn to see this as an opportunity, not a problem, then you're going to be stagnant or at worst case, like you'll lose people and may shut down. And at the same time that I'm harping on churches for that, I personally, in my heart, saw it as a problem, and and I saw it as a bur as a as a burden in a time where I was already feeling burnout, right? Like I was already feeling burnt out based on just the total load of what I was dealing with. Because around that same time in the summer, that's when our editor for A Beautiful Faith and my editor for Absurdity passed away. But I had started the YouTube channel, so all of a sudden I had two podcasts that I had to help with developing topic ideas and outlines. I had to do the all the script writing for my YouTube channel every week and recording and editing it. And now I had to edit two podcasts on top of that. Yeah, And, and I'm and, involved and, in another thing. And I have a full-time job that I'm having to completely restructure. Yeah. And you and, see what and, I'm saying? Right. Like, and in your de defense, two of your co-hosts, myself included, just pick on Henry for a moment. We were overloaded with our own things. And then we're kind of like, um, glad you're doing that. Peace. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, <laughs> it, there was a little bit of frustration, and and Henry and I did have a a a very pleasant come to Jesus meeting for both of us. Uh, that was good. It was I a was really good conversation. The cross. Um, it was more. It was not confrontational. It was more like <laughs> let's just spill our hearts to each other about where we were in all of this. The sour um, wine and vinegar was there. Yeah. So that's. But in my heart, I saw it as a. I saw it as a burden even though I was telling others to see it as an opportunity for growth. And so when things fell apart, they fell apart hard for me. And, and I, think that's, that's, I think that's where the root of what I said earlier really, really, really finds itself is like, I think a lot of us, just the negativity that we were feeling, all of that got, got, um, got amplified. And all of the unrest, all the financial uncertainty, that was huge. Um, like all of that plays, I think, a factor in basically saying that even if we had time, 
I think most of us were so tired and so upset and frustrated. There's, there's, there's this, um, in investing, there's a, there's a term called FUD. Have you, have you ever heard of FUD? I have heard of Elmer FUD. Um, so FUD is F-U-D. It's uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Mm. And it's basically when people are expressing negativity about an option or a stock or a company, uh, other people who are, who are holding that same stock, uh, they will, they, they, basically these people are spreading FUD and it's causing other people to hold, that are holding the stock to sell the stock. And this was a major thing around GameStop, the big thing that happened in January, because hedge funds were trying to spread FUD in order to get people to sell so that hedge funds didn't lose all their money when it came time to pay up on their, on their call options. So, um, but FUD, I think, was experienced on a global scale for all of us. And we all just had fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and that overwhelmed everything. Right. I mean, that, that kind of deals more with the problematic nature of the, the whole thing. I mean, do you think part of that also mixes with the idea of the urge in the West, or at least here in the United States where we primarily reside, obviously as co-hosts, uh, the, the urge to overachieve, even in times of crisis. And, and what I mean by that is, don't we have, an, even in the church, right, especially the Western church, we all have this idea that it's always on as an individual, right? There is no off time. And I hate to say it, as as personally Seventh-day Adventists, we even theologically say there's supposed to be an off time, and yet we cram it full of on stuff to be on point in the off time, I'm doing really bad with my use of English this this time. No, anyway, I, right. I mean, I understand. I understand what you're saying. Right, right. In, in other words, I, I was reading an article. I'm trying to remember now who wrote it. It, it was in the New Republic. Uh, and, blast, what's the guy's name? Or girl, now that I say that. Anyway, and they were making the point that there's a mindset of of what they call hustle culture. And the mm-hmm. idea is that every nanosecond of one's life has to be commodified and pointed towards a profit of some kind, whether that's self-improvement or actual money, right? Yeah. That, that everything is commodified. And so we're used to making every moment of life be productive or have some productive capacity. Like, for example, if I'm on a walk, I should listen to a Beautiful Faith podcast and be a more informed and better person. Man, someone I, I did not expect to be personally attacked today and <laughs> Henry woke up and chose violence. And <laughs> no. So I was like, I, that's me. No, I'm doing that. I mean, we're definitely not faulting you for listening to us. But what I'm saying is, is that mentality is, is right that I can't just walk because Correct. that's a waste of time. Or I can't just work out because that's only partially productive, right? You have to cram it full of something else, right? We eat while we're working or reading something or whatever. Like, like we've reached a point, and I think especially for millennials, where our brains are particularly broken in terms of productivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, we either give up because we feel like we're not productive enough, or we feel bad all the time that we're not productive enough. Yep. No matter how productive you are, you just feel miserable that you're definitely not probably as productive as you could be. So could it be possible that, yes, we get all overwhelmed and there's a lot of stress, and additional stressors that compile on us during the pandemic. But at the same time of that overwhelming us, it heightens our sense of a lack of productivity to begin with. So we already felt unproductive. Yes. And then you get hit with a huge period of time that you would say, well, now I can definitely be productive, but you have 900 new things that you have to juggle plus that. And we're already fighting that mental exhaustion that says, I'm not productive enough, or I'll never be as productive as I should be. And you just shut down. Yep. That, I mean, that's, that's ultimately, I agree with you a hundred percent. Actually, I think the idea, a hustle culture to some degree for some people, for many people, hustle culture is good. But the problem is that hustle culture has taught people to work more as if that's going to produce better results or different results. And really it's working smart and like working wisely um, and applying yourself. Like I would say that I am, I hustle hard. The problem is that I didn't go deep enough in anything. I wasn't smart enough. So some of my projects have all, like all of my projects that I'm involved in have moderate growth, but none of them have had, if I had taken all of my energy and just invested into one project, then I'd be looking at substantial growth for one thing. But when I spread myself thin, all of a sudden, basically I budgeted all my time out in such a, an energy 
in such a way that I can't, I don't have any flexibility. It's the same that your time budget is and energy is the same way as your financial budget. And if you allot every dollar to paying off, you think, oh yeah, I have $50 extra that I could use for this monthly payment. Well, cool. But what happens in an emergency if you need that extra $50? Well, it's tied up in now debt for the foreseeable future, right? So same deal. I worked myself out of flexibility with all the projects I had so that when things did start to fall apart, suddenly I couldn't keep up. And I think, so I agree with you that I, I think hustle culture uh, played a, or plays a significant role into this. And this is exactly why for most of the pandemic, I was saying something to the effect of like, people keep saying, can we just get back to normal? And I'm over here like, was normal ever really that preferable to begin with? <laughs> like, is that yeah. really what we want to go back to? Because I think I, I understand the sentiment, right? Like sports events, group events, going out to eat together, concerts. I get that kind of thing, entertainment and, and, and media stuff. But like when it comes to work and the work week, like I think there are some things culturally that that come from COVID-19 that I, I, I think we should, that we should keep wearing masks when you're not feeling well, for example. Um, and um, I think a lot of employee, employers realize like, oh, we really can work from home. Or wow, we really don't need to spend all this money on travel to go X, Y, and Z uh, or to have this meeting or we can just do it over Zoom. Things like that. Like I, I think Are we sure is, Zoom can't die? Um, I mean, I would be fine with it being replaced with something, but I also disagree with people who say we're having Zoom burnout. You and I are recording this over Zoom, but like people are saying, oh, people are just burnt out at looking at a screen. And people say that, especially about high school. They look at a screen like, all the time. Exactly. The, this is what's so bothersome to me. Like churches and um, churches keep saying, or schools keep saying like, ah, oh, the kids just don't care. You know, they, they, they don't want to be on Zoom anymore. No, it's just that your content isn't worth being on Zoom for. Yowzers. Like, I'm sorry, you're boring. Like, I don't... I don't know what to tell you because TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, all of those things they're watching all day long or making content for and they're texting people because those things are both they'll learn and they are uh, entertaining. That's kind of the argument I, I always had to start making in the church. If you notice in church settings, the, the big trend in the last five to 10 years was like, get the youth to put away their phones or or do this, that, and the other. And I was kind of reaching a point, if you're not engaging enough, they're going to be on them anyway, or they're going to be folding the bulletins into like paper airplanes, like I did as a kid before I had a phone to hang in my hand all the time to distract myself. Yep. So is is that so much the technology's problem, or is that a problem with the content you're trying to foist upon them? Yeah, there was, there was a, actually, that makes me think of, I watched a, do you know who Vsauce is on YouTube? No. Okay, so Vsauce, uh, Michael from Vsauce, um, he was this dude, he's kind of like, I, I almost kind of want to say he's like the Bill Nye for for like young adult people or adults too. Like Bill he's Nye, just big on like- science ex millennial. Exactly. Like he was, he's really good at like going into detail on subjects and be like, have you ever wondered what would happen if, and then like his whole video is going to be about that. Well, he had a whole show licensed and made through YouTube. And one of the episodes he spent- uh, was him doing experiment about boredom. And he was like, what happens if you stay in a room with no stimulation? You can't, like, there's nothing in, it's a plain white room. All you have is a bed with a pillow and blankets and water um, and tools to, like brush your teeth and shower. But like, that's it. There's nothing to do. And you have to spend like a whole weekend in there. I think, or maybe it was just, yeah, I think it was a whole weekend. Brush the enamel falls off. Um, and you lose, you actually lose track of time very quickly in a space like that too, because there's no windows, you have no whatever, right? But at the beginning of the episode, they did an experiment on what happens when people are bored. They brought two focus subjects in and they had, they had them uh, touch a button, press a button, and it would shock them. And so they pressed the button and then they said, um, and then they asked them like, how did that button make you feel? Of course, and they were like, bad, like that hurt. And they were like, would you press it again? And they were like, no, never. I would never press that again. But then they're bored, so they press it again. Then they put them, yeah, then they put them in a room with nothing but the buzzer, and they said, we'll be right back in a little bit. Feel free to just hang out. There was nothing in the room but the buzzer. And within a minute, the guy that originally said he would never press it again under any circumstances pressed the button and shocked himself <laughs> because he was so <laughs> bored. Within a minute. You think that kids putting away their cell phones is going to make them, they'll find something because yeah. that's how they always did it. If you're boring, and they are bored. The brain does not want boredom. It doesn't. So it's going to find a way to entertain itself. Like every time. 
The only difference is you're less offended because they might be pretending to look at you. Yeah. So he survived it, uh, by the way. He did okay, but it really messed with him. Um, it really messed with him after he did that experiment and stayed the time in the door, the room. But I, that was, that was a crazy uh, episode of that show to watch. Thank you for making me think of it. Uh, I thought I had repressed it. You're welcome. I, you know, it just took a shock to the system to get the memory going. Oh yeah, of course. So question then what, I guess, is there any, is there any positive to the, to what happened in 2020 and what we experienced? Is there anything that we can say, over the last and, and just talking about burnout in general too, like is there anything that we can we can say to this that we'd say like there was anything positive that we could see in that time frame? Well, I mean, in in a personal sense, of course, there was positives that came out of twenty twenty. I mean, I got married for one, so that would be pretty bad. That was a miracle like, that we were all worried. It, I'm just it, kidding. It, yeah. No, man, no, no, awesome. no. Trust me, that's that's my mother. Like, are you ever gonna? Okay, anyway, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes, that was a miracle. We didn't so. get married to each other, I promise. He just got married uh, to no, someone th- th- else. This, this is the South, and that's illegal in most places. But I was, you know, I was crushed. I, I, I know, but I won't tell your girl. <laughs> anyway. I love it. So, Thank you. Don't tell her. Yeah, yes, I, I won't. Not like she couldn't listen to this. So She was like, at the wedding, Ryan, why are you crying? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. It's yeah. fine. It's just so beautiful, obviously. <laughs> I'm not in mourning. I'm celebrating. <laughs> celebrating being celibate. Okay. Anyway, so mercy. Moving on. I mean, yes, stuff to affirm. I mean, I think in general, pandemic or not, crisis does have a tendency to direct the mind to focus on what's important. Uh, so I, I do believe once everyone got over the initial shock, of everything. I mean, because I can remember, I mean, I, I guess that's not positive per se, but I do want to affirm it. The The idea that we we can't fault ourselves for not initially knowing how to handle something we've never experienced nor been prepared exactly. to experience. Exactly. Uh, I can remember I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time that the pandemic shutdowns began. And interestingly enough, the shutdowns happened a couple of weeks after I had already gotten COVID, but we didn't know this what that was at the time. And I remember thinking Charlotte is a huge metro area and there's multiple interstates and it's usually packed at certain times of day or whatever. And the state of North Carolina, which Charlotte was in, shut down like everywhere. Well, most everywhere, I guess I should say. Anyway, mm-hmm. it it shut down. And I remember, you know, the first few days you stay at home because you just don't, the news is like, do it. And it's like, everything just shh. No cars on the road, no no nothing. And I remember there came a point where then they're like, okay, well, if there's an essential need to go to the grocery store or something, go. And there came one of those points where you're kind of like already going stir crazy because you're like, it's day four and I haven't left, which is weird because I've never done that before and just not hearing any cars or anything. And I remember I had to get in the car and I decided I'm going to go to this grocery store that's like 25 minutes away normally just so I have an excuse to drive to, to do mm-hmm. something. And I had to take the interstate to do that. And it was one of the creepiest experiences I've had in a few years because mm. I got on the road and at least at that particular time of day, I'm, I know I wasn't the only one, but I got on the interstate and it was deserted. It was like eight lanes of traffic with only me on it. No one coming the other way. Only me. You didn't see cars passing on the overpasses. Uh, I mean, you saw no life whatsoever. The businesses that were along the side of the interstate on the frontage roads, you, you there was nobody parked there. There was no trucks mm-hmm. moving in and out. And, and you pull off the exit and there's nobody at the light. And, and it was one of those dystopian kind of, it was just a really weird experience. I remember sitting there thinking yep. something is really wrong. Like, I mean, you knew it was wrong, but it's just, you felt out of place. Like you couldn't make this thing up. It's like a movie. Yeah, And I mean, obviously, and that would change shortly because I think probably about a week and a half in, people just started giving up. But that, Which is why we're here now. Uh, well, yes. Yes. I, yes. Beside the eccentricities of the South and human nature notwithstanding, uh, that whole aside was just to say, I, I, we can't fault ourselves for being discombobulated and uncertain what to do about it. I mean, unless you're a hundred and eight or 10 years old and remember living through the Spanish influenza pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. see if my cat doesn't remember that it's, you know, we, we wouldn't know what to do. 
So I, I want to give us a pass on that. I, I think, I think now more to the positive of you know, the positive things happen. As I said, I think crisis helps you start sorting what is important and what isn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure many of us were starting to judge things about is I mean not just on a business sense like you were saying business was talking about oh we can do more work from home or whatnot. At the same time, there's some businesses by the end of this pandemic have realized what things cannot be done from home. Mm-hmm. Right, because they try to do everything. So, so some of it is we have to experiment at some point to realize these things, and crisis can be a huge motivator of invention. Right, yep. you, you know, invention is and necessity go together. That's why I mean, yeah, I was gonna say that's why wartime tends to be a huge time of innovation for countries. Yeah, because you have to figure it out, and your life's on the line if you don't. Yep, absolutely. Right. So I mean, so we've been experimenting and, and trying those things. So I think a positive is is some of the innovation that's come out of it, some of the priorities that's come out of it, some of the personal growth, and 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 I think we have to remember, and we'll probably get into this some as as people of faith, but growth can also come out of seeming wastage, right? Yep. I mean, so if 2020 was not nearly as productive as we wished, and and for me, it definitely wasn't, but I can use that experience now, having learned things through it that I think are quite productive in the long run. So, yeah. okay, so maybe I wasted eight to 10 months in 2020, and that's not so great. But now in 2021, I'm at a point where I go, yeah, well, the last time I hit something like this, this is what I did and it didn't work. Or it brought me to a point where, you know, it just devolved. And, and that's yeah. kind of, again, not that we're getting into that specifically, it was kind of the same thing with this podcast even, right? Okay, so we, we kind of, well, not kind of, we dropped the ball on that and it didn't keep going through that period when you think everybody's at home. We talked about this, right? Everybody can listen. They would have been ready for 12 episodes a week, you know, just give us something to do. And we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it gave us a chance to sit down and go, okay, but why did we not do that? Right? Which is kind of where some of this topic came from to, in the start with. Like, what was the underlying things that we weren't spending enough time really analyzing? Mm-hmm that were just accentuated by the absence of distraction, that were accentuated by now having no excuses. Yep. Well, so, and I think, I, I think too, it added, it added an idea of like, where are the holes? It, it, it really identified weak points. And for me, I think that's, that was the big thing over, through, through my burnout and just having too much on my plate was it's helped me kind of refocus my attention and what I'm wanting to do. And what it, what it has resulted in is um, me having an understanding of how I let things get to the point that when there was a catalyst like a... I th- in fact, actually, let me say this. I think 2020 wasn't the cause of anything falling apart. I think 2020 and like COVID and burnout was, was the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back that revealed how weak foundational support structures were and how fragile they were. And yeah. that's what happened for me was I thought I had a rhythm. I thought I had a good con- handle and control on everything. And suddenly, when things started to you know, happen unexpectedly, I realized that I had left my, myself no room for grace, no room for growth, no room for expansion, no room for pivoting, nothing. And I, it, was, it was always destined to fail. And that's basically like all the episodes we've released and things that we've done was just kind of a, a, just kind of watching that boat sink, watching the Titanic sink slowly. As I kept saying, "Don't worry, we're going to do this," yeah, and not with happening. A, with and, a Don't worry, bucket. we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, and and so I I agree that 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 there was there's personal growth there because it gave you room to grow. And I think too, like I don't know, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Do you want to keep going? I, I apologize. No, no, no. I, I mean, I like where this is going. I guess part of where I was going to eventually end up in my mind was the idea is we might need to come to terms with the fact that again, on this not wastage idea, that a big chunk of this, of 2020, was actually almost like the earth, God, whatever you want to call it, uh, giving us a, a, a medical leave to kind of mm-hmm. regroup in a sense that if you're burning on zero for a while, if you're burning the tread of your tire, it, it, it takes quite a bit of work to get it off and replace it. Right. I yep. mean, you know, when there's a traumatic event, sometimes you have to shut down for a bit. That's what they call medically induced comas. Right. They have to they have to put everything else aside and just have your body not have to worry about nine million things 
focus on the one for just long enough to get that system rebooted. Oh, that's funny. You, you They call that a medically induced coma? I just call that eating Chipotle uh, any given day. Well, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, yeah, well, Chipotle notwithstanding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so... But I yes, mean, yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I can agree with that. And I think, I don't know, I think we do need to give ourselves grace. If I go back to what you were saying at the beginning, like I, I really do think we need to give ourselves grace. And I think surviving was the goal of, 20, of, of, of all of this, was just making it. And the other side of that, though, is like, like if you survived, if you maintained even just a few close relationships, and if you were able to provide for your needs or have them provided for and figure that out, like if you made it this far, then you succeeded. But what I don't want to say is that people who passed away from COVID or just during 2020 failed, because that's not what happened, because it's not like many of them had it was even in their control. Uh, so I don't want to say that like you failed if you didn't survive. What I'm saying is like, if you survived, and if especially if you survived COVID, then give yourself some grace, like, because you, you made it and you can rebuild from whatever is left. And, you know, if, if you lost someone close to you, I, I hear that and I, and like, that's terrible. I had a huge scare with someone I love deeply uh, around Christmas time and it involved a trip to the hospital and it was the most painful thing in the world for me to not even be able to go visit them and like be next to them and support them as they were in the hospital recovering uh, from something quite traumatic. And like, that's the kind of thing that, that made me upset. And so like, I can't, if that was my pain for someone that I, that eventually made it out of the hospital and was, was fine again, then I can only imagine how that felt, you know, amplified for anyone who was in a position of dying or close to it or anything like that. And like, I want, I, I don't want to say that, you know, you didn't succeed if, if you did pass away and if, you know, if someone did pass away in 2020. But what I want to say is like, give yourself grace. You've made it this far and that's something to be proud of regardless. So yeah, yeah that's, that's what I would affirm. I think in all of this is like, if you survived, you did it. I mean, and innovations and successes did come out of 2020. It's not like the entire thing was a waste. Or as I said, every area of our life was necessarily a waste. Right. It, sometimes it's you have to reframe what you consider success. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I think a lot of also, if I'm honest, a lot of what people are feeling was a failure of 2020 is being judged by definitions others are placing on it or, or standards other people have imposed upon that. Right. There's, yeah. there's many ways in my life you could view it as a failure, but there's other things I can view like, hey, well, this is the time where this certain success took place. Or, yeah. or this was figured out or this transition was affected or, you know, in a very, and again, not trying to make light of, well, what's the progress and success in, you know, a loved one dying? I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, yeah, well that everything else that happened justifies that or is an excuse for that. I'm saying that good has come out of it. And maybe I think some of that is, it could be that now is the earliest we could start talking about what's the good that came out of it because we need a little bit of distance and space. Yeah. to emotionally detach enough to critically think about what took place in 2020. I mean, I, I can think of my own life, just career-wise, there's, there's certain things that at the moment were overwhelming and jarring and transitional or, or whatnot. And now I look back on it and I go, well, the pandemic actually facilitated a breakthrough in that or mm. was the excuse to get certain things to happen that probably never would have happened independent of the pandemic. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, no, so. no. I understand that. I feel that. And I think there was, there was like, I learned how to build a dog bed for my dog, an elevated dog bed, so she can look out the windows in my house because they're just high enough for a corgi to not be able to, to, to look out. Like, I think there was, I think we did make a lot of space to, a lot of people just accomplished home improvement stuff or like were able to build that shed they've been meaning to build or whatever. Like there, there are things that were put off that we were able to do. And I think there... I think one of the unexpected things was that marriages got stronger. A lot yeah, of marriages got I stronger. Had one. Yeah, exactly. Yours exists now. Um, but the uh, the the reality is like because you had more time with your wife, uh, and you found out that she was your wife, the the woman that just showed up at your house every night or was there whenever you got home from work or whatever. I don't think uh, I was like, confused out, on that, but <laughs> um, no. But for it's like the 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 ongoing joke was, and I think there was a sportscaster in in the UK that made this joke, but it was basically like, so I I 
you know, we started working from home and, and one day I just looked over and I saw this woman next to me at my house. And I was just like, who are you? <laughs> and she's like, I'm your wife. And that's like, that's the punchline. It's just kind of that idea of like, Mercy. we spend so much time apart that now that we had time to spend together, there was a lot of growth that came from that. And, and Oh yeah, let me, let me put it this way. Living with someone like that, I mean, you know, people joke, well, it's a new marriage, you're adjusting, but also living with someone that long, whether you've been married a while or briefly, sheesh, that revealed a whole lot about myself. You know, mm-hmm. I thought I was on the road to heaven until I got married. Now I realize I suck. Yep. And that's, I think, I think the revealing a lot of holes thing, I think that's the thing I keep coming back to because I think, I think that's what, what it, I think that's what we've experienced. I think that's what burnout shows us in general. Yeah, I think that when the, things that fall the thing apart, that was underpinning and undergirding what you thought, like yep. I think you said near the beginning about foundations, it it didn't work or it wasn't set right or the wrong material was built out of it. Correct. So for those who don't know, uh, Henry and I um, are, uh, we are Sabbath keepers. So what that means is like we keep a seventh day or Saturday Sabbath um, and we we keep it along the lines of, of not, I mean, not not the same extent of Jewish tradition, but what I mean by Jewish tradition is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Uh, we're not doing work. We're not doing chores, most of us anyway. Um, we try to refrain from buying or selling on Sabbath, being involved, that kind of thing, right? So it's, you know, uh, our denomination, we go to church on Saturday, that kind of thing. Um, but Except back when the I was- pandemic when they were closed. Exactly. Um, then we complained about the live stream. So- right. then be responsible. And the, I say that to all the Christians that were fighting the entire pandemic about not wanting to be responsible with public health. <laughs> yep. So one of the things back when I was full time, when I was a full time pastor, one of the things that I, uh, one of the sermons I came up with, I called a Sabbath keeper's priority, and uh, the or a Sabbath keeper's priorities, and the the idea was, and is, and I think this is, I think this is, this has a biblical basis too, but the idea is for us to be able to take a full day off like that means that your entire week, the other six days, have to adjust in order to in order for you to be prepared to take a day off on Sabbath from whatever you're doing. It means that you have to find a different time of the week to do your laundry and do dishes, right? You have to find a, hopefully you're doing this every day, but um, if you're a single bachelor like me, uh, it just piled up in the don't. corner somewhere. Um, I'm actually doing a lot better about that, but I never let them get like moldy. Don't worry. It's just like well, a couple you, days they'll pile up. You can't up. let it get moldy when oh. a corgi's there to lick it. Exactly. Ew, but you're right. Uh, I hate that you're right. Um, <laughs> the, um, but yeah, I, I think um, the problem, so if, if basically the idea is if someone wants to keep a Sabbath and they're unable to keep the Sabbath, it probably means that they, did, they didn't prepare adequately the other days. They didn't have a solid foundation the other six days of the week that allowed them the freedom to spend time with family or do other things, you know, or rest and recover and worship on Sabbath. Like that, that, that was the idea. And I think the same thing, burnout shows you, if you get burnt out, if things do fall apart, um, the question is, or the idea is not that you're going to go back and be hard on yourself for burning out, which is what I tend to do. I tend to spiral. Instead, the question is like, okay, so what happened that gave that, what happened that put me in a position or how did I put myself in a position too? That there's a way to there, there's a way to ask that too. How did I put myself in a position that that allowed for burnout to happen? Where yeah. did where are the, what are the decisions I could clean up? What are the things that I could do differently that would allow me to keep the Sabbath? If I keep running into a situation where I have to go buy groceries on Sabbath, well, what did I let happen the other six days of the week that I couldn't go do it then? Right, you that ran kind out of food. Thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And that's cr- crisis yeah. tests the strength of something. Right, you yep. don't really know if that steel and the you know alloys you put in it is going to work until you whack it with something, right? Or you put all the weight on it. It says it's a fifteen ton resistant piece of steel, but you're never going to know that until you put fifteen ton on it, right? Exactly. Uh, Which, that kind of and thing. when so you we, do, you're still nervous about it. Well, right, exactly. But that's and, and this is kind of it, you bring up Sabbath, and so that kind of transitions me to one area I was thinking a lot about 2020 and burnout. Also, burnout individually, burnout as a society, but burnout as a church, as as institutions, mm. is the crisis hit, and I think it showed, or it can show if we're willing to, and I know that sometimes that's a, a difficult emotional thing to process, to allow ourselves, I, you know, that's, that's one thing I, 
it sounds off track, but it's really on the same thing. Prior even to the pandemic and quote all this time, I've often felt our society prioritizes cramming every bit of time full with something. Because if you had more time, you'd have to process. And processing is a very terrifying thing. And most of us haven't been mm-hmm. taught how to do so in a safe way. Right? Correct. So just quick, keep busy. So, you know, some of us, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying I don't miss being able to go to a baseball game. But at the same time, right, was that just, not that anything wrong with baseball either, other than some people would argue it's slow like Forrest Gump. But I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, entertainment isn't bad, but if you use it as a crutch, it can be. It's like all things. Yep. It's how you, how you use it. So, you know, preoccupying ourselves isn't necessarily bad unless it's to avoid something else. And the pandemic kind of took away a lot of those very easy, quick fixes. Right? Oh, you know, if, if, if you're struggling with relationship, it was really easy pre-pandemic. I just go somewhere where people are going to be, you know, the club, the bar, the church social, the whatever – and at least I have the opportunity to try and correct it. Well, the pandemic stripped all that away. If you didn't have intentional investment relationships, then you're not going to easily go find one. Yeah. Because yep. you're not supposed to. So it, it's kind of the crisis reveals a lot of things. And as a church, I think what was interesting is the pandemic hit and now everything's shut, right? Because they say everything's got to close, we're all done. And it arrested the cycle of the week for an institution, for the church itself, yep. for the community. And very quickly in that, I think we saw what was prioritized because what's the first thing people try and defend, right? In a crisis, what's the first thing you try and latch on to? And then what was working and what wasn't, right? So on a church perspective, the thing I saw always in the news or I even heard people in my own church or denomination complaining about was the lack of meeting. So the very first thing everybody wanted to complain about was now all of a sudden they couldn't show up in the physical building. So, so it told me the priority of our system was showing up. Correct. And that showing right. up was, was equated with, with both spiritual and organizational success. Yes, because there were so many people that thought because you couldn't sit in the physical building that now you had been prevented from having faith. All right. And, yep. and that to me was very revealing. Uh, but it also showed the longer we were shut and nobody outside of the community was complaining about it, <laughs> this is yep. where it gets d- difficult, right? To process, you have to go, were we really ever doing anything of value to start with that we could just be shut down like everything? I mean, think about it. If When, when push comes to shove, when they shut everything down, the first thing everyone wanted to know is, what about my groceries? Yep. Right? That's what they wanted to know. They're like, what about groceries? And then they were like, but what about my friends? Right? You know, how do I hang out or what about social activities? That was what society prioritized. Church was nowhere on the list. In fact, churches weren't considered essential businesses. I found this very interesting. I mean, not that they should be a business, yeah. but I'm saying, I'm saying I thought this was a very interesting time in the West to see what society actually valued mm-hmm. because now we had to quantify it to know what we could allow and what couldn't, right? When states were reopening bars but churches were staying closed, that should tell you something. And I'm not trying to make a moralistic statement about like, how dare they choose a bar over a church? I'm just saying that at a very base level, right, what were we prioritizing? I mean, you could even take religion out of it. I mean, this this kind of gets in a little bit into the politics of, of reopening or whatever, you know, yeah. we get to discuss in 2021. But at a time where states have allowed restaurants to open, but schools are still closed, Right. You know, these kinds of opportunities give us the ability to sit there and go, what do we prioritize as a society mm-hmm. or what risks are we willing to take or what are too great for us to be willing to take Yeah, in, in our mind? And this is a moment to process. The crisis reveals, hey, are we really relevant? Are we really meeting our mission? Do we even know what our mission was until this crisis hit? And now yep. we know our mission was just put butts in the seats, you know, strap your butt to the pew yep. waiting for liftoff. Don't bother me. The second coming is happening. So... You know, I yeah, think I think I, that's. I agree with you, and I, I I think that 2020 I think revealed for faith for faith based organizations or for for uh, for most faith based organizations I think 2020 revealed that most of them prioritized most of us I should say prioritized meeting together over actual connection and growth. Um, literally, just being in the same room was more important than almost anything else. And I think the reason you see bars, restaurants, and otherwise, other than economical reasons in providing jobs and like staying afloat to be, you know, going to have a whole city of, of businesses that have gone out of business and shuttered their doors. The bottom line is those are places where people connect. 
and in churches, a lot of them saw dips in tithe or dips in offering or dips in whatever, because the only value, the only service that these churches provided for their members uh, that was valuable was meeting together. So when they couldn't, it's like, why should I give you money? Because you're not doing anything. You're not providing any sort of value. I'm not getting anything from being a part of this. And I think the other thing that it that it revealed in all of this was that meeting together isn't a good metric. Showing up in bodies and seats isn't a good metric. We always knew it, I think, in our hearts, but like the Anyone amount of- would know it looking at a theater. How many movies were packed and then they sucked mm-hmm. at the box office because we we're like, how do I get the last hour and a half of my life back? Yep. Well, and Thanks, even Disney so, Wars. Look at all of the bigotry from Christians that's been on display for the last eight months. Like, if we were really experiencing a lot of spiritual growth <laughs> in our churches, many of those in, I would say that it's largely churches that across denominations, this isn't like a denomination-specific thing, but it was largely church pastors that led the, the resistance against fighting the pandemic in a healthy and, and like efficient and effective way. And mm. you saw people at, at the same time that they were saying we need to meet together, saying the most vile and evil things to other people and, um, and fighting masks and fighting uh, all the different ways to take care of one another. You saw people but, actively. But Ryan, I have a doctor's note. I can't wear it. I can't breathe. Well, sucks for you. I have asthma. And, you know, uh, it's fine. even harder to breathe with COVID. Okay, anyway, now we're going to Yeah, exactly. Topic, but... um, and after COVID. The, the, um, but like, that's my, that's my point. Like you saw Christians who did meet together and who say it's so important and so valuable. And then they, in, in basically the exact same breath are demonstrating that they, it has not impacted them at all. All they want is to feel comfortable again. That's all they want. And so they're, they're operating out of selfishness and selfish desire, which once again, not spiritual growth, no spiritual growth demonstration there really. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying they weren't real Christians or that maybe this was just one of the areas and the holes that was exposed for them. But what I'm saying is like meeting together isn't the, the end all be all for success when it comes to our faith and our faith communities. I think connection, challenge, accountability, those things are important. Um, and meeting together is a facilitator for those things, but it's just one of many. It's not the end all be all for it. That's, I think, what I would say there. Yeah. So, and again, the theme we keep coming back to is that, you know, the crisis, burnout is a crisis in its own way, whether it's globally in the form of pandemic or individually and projects or lack of hobbies or whatever, marriages, families, relationships. The crisis is the time for reflection, for reexamining the undergirding patterns, the foundation that you were riding on the assumptions that you were going through life, the a priori commitments and going, what obviously wasn't working already that this is now revealed. Yep. Absolutely. And I think, I think this is a really good segue into how we, we, we want to kind of wrap this up and, and, and close, which is like, so what do we do with all of this and where do we go from here? And when I think about this and, and after our conversation, I think I, I, I feel strongly about this because I think this this is a good time to be having this conversation because I think over the next several months as things progressively do open up more and more and as we're seeing yeah. more and more things go back to, like the Super Bowl looked yeah, standard. The, the, the busyness comes back. Then yeah. the time for reflection disappears and the habit will be if you haven't, if you haven't done the work ahead, you're going to you be in the same exact distracted boat. with everything else and you'll be on the same faulty foundation for the next thing. It's kind, it's kind of like, it's kind of what I felt personally in work, working for the church. I said, the pan, you know, a lot of people have been cursing the pandemic, cursing at the wind. Everything. I said, listen, I think there's going to, I think a huge tidal wave of change mm-hmm. is about to hit the church as things open back up. In that if you spent COVID cursing the darkness and just complaining about how things can't be the way they were, and as soon as the pandemic kind of recedes enough that you're allowed to, quote, do what you want and go back to whatever you think is normal or shouldn't be normal or whatever, then you're going to be completely irrelevant, have been left behind, not that you probably weren't already irrelevant to begin with, and you will die. This will have been the final warning for you and you will just get, you know, the water went out, you complain that there was no water at the beach and then the tsunami comes in and kills you. 
But then yep. there will be other churches that were like, okay, we need to figure out then what to do. How do we do this? Right? What wasn't working, obviously? What what do we do in a crisis? What can we do now that would set us up for success the next time this comes around or, or something like it? I think they're going to take off. Because yep. uh, honestly, I, I, I've i seen this even in my own own life without giving names right now. You know, I, w- I went through a bit of a job change during the pandemic and not that I don't work for the church anymore, but I went back to pastoring over specific areas or a parish, so to speak, instead of being more at the denominational level. And I have a couple churches in that area that I'm responsible for. And I've seen two different scenarios where I've seen one church that's us all, I mean, they both complained about it, but I've seen one church that's witched and witched and witched about, ah, infringement of religious liberty and we can't do squad and ah, we can't have people in here and we can't do communion and we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't do evangelism and we can't send the beast flyers and we can't, ah. Yeah. Right. I mean, they've been having meltdowns over the fact that everything has conspired to you know, give the mark of the beast or to, um, you know, to, to just, to just derail them in their mind. That's what they think. Yeah. And then there's another one that went, okay, well this sucks and we don't like it, but can we do anything about it or should we experiment? And they haven't necessarily, I can't, I'm not going to lie and say they've enjoyed the experimentation, but they've been experimenting. They've been, trying they've been phasing out things and by the time we've you know we're coming here 2021 things are beginning to open back up one church hasn't changed a bit the other one has made a lot of structural undergirding changes that coming down the pike you know and i could be wrong but my guess is the one that's made all of these changes and not that just change for change's sake is good because you know new for new sake isn't always good either it's kind of like toothpaste you know it's the same product half the amount and double the price but <laughs> right, facts. you know, yeah, yeah, facts, but but that church, I think, is going to be in a position that it could become something. I don't think we're there yet, mm-hmm. but it could become something relevant, and the other one's just going to die. Yep, and all of that came out of this crisis point. So, like you're saying, what what do we do? I I think a lot of that is first of all having this kind of conversation with yourself or trusted persons, mm-hmm. right? Individually, corporately. What whatever situation you find, first of all, the conversation has to happen. I think a lot of us have been thinking about these things, but maybe we've not voiced them or 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 found a safe outlet to bounce them off of someone else other than our own brain, right? Yep. I think we need to intentionally make efforts right now before things just go balls to the walls, back to speed. In the West, we need to have the discussions about Hey, what are you feeling? How did you feel? What worked? What didn't? What are you upset yep. about? What do you What are you happy happened? We need to just get all of that out on the table. Once we 100%. have that on, on the table, we need to say, okay, considering what my you know have have my desires changed? Have my goals changed before and after pandemic? And if so, then we have to ask the questions we should have asked all along. What's the best way to get there? Yeah. And ask yourself if what you were doing before, or even what you've done now, because a lot of us have learned positive through the pandemic. Some of us maybe have learned bad coping mechanisms in the pandemic. I mean, that happens in any yeah. crisis. Yep. And I need to go, okay, what am I set up to get where I need to go? Yeah. And that's, I, I, I think that's, Doing that work now is incredibly important because once again, th- like this is the time to do it. Otherwise, we will go in that cycle of like, up, oh, I missed my opportunity and now I'm right back where I was. I think asking that question and being open to being open to whatever that reality is for you is is vital. I, I think if we don't have that, um, we will experience burnout again. I think this is also the time then to say, what do I need to do to build the proper foundation for myself and my family or my friends or relationships or whatever? What actually needs to happen so that I I can do that? For me, um, it's been with my content. How can I focus and and make things more efficient? Um, and um, where does my focus need to be? And I think um, that's helped me refine things. And yeah, I've been experimenting, but this is the time to experiment, to be honest, because um, I can always rebuild. Um, and the people that want to continue to engage with what I'm doing, they they have always been and will continue to be understanding as I try to figure out what in the world uh, I'm doing. And so I think being open to those those questions is incredibly important. And just saying, 
what is it? What is the thing that I value the most, and how do I protect it? If I need to protect, and and by protect, I mean guard and put boundaries and like. I don't mean protect as in let everything else fall by the wayside and this is like now an idol to me. That's not what I mean. I just mean for, it's kind of like Simon Sinek's uh, start with why. What do I really value? What is the most important thing to me? And how do I make sure that I'm always in a position to appreciate and take care of that thing? Um, and, and how do I keep other things from infringing on it? Um, what is your why? What is, the th- what is that? So I, when I say thing, I, it could be a relationship, it could be a person, or it could be a, just a purpose and reason that you're doing something. Um, and I think the other thing is trying to figure out what caused you to be passionate about those things to begin with as well. Um, but then I would also say the other question to ask is where can I give myself grace and how can I give myself more grace in the future? How can I, have, how can I handle failure better? Um, how can I learn to process things? Um, that was a big thing when I started therapy last year was that the first question I asked is like, I want to learn how to process things better. And that actually ended up coming in immediate, immediate use because that a few weeks after I asked that question, had gotten some tips for that is when a friend of mine who edits, uh, who was editing our podcasts, um, passed away. And I, and if it wasn't for me asking that question, then I wouldn't have been prepared to process. And I would have gone back to destructive habits that I had prior. Like that saved me in a sense. So I would say like, ask ourselves, how can we be gracious to ourselves and to those around us? And what can we put into place now that helps us to process and and pivot when we need to uh, in moments where things do start to fall apart, whether it's due to our own choices and decisions or because of things that were outside of our control. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think, like I said, and, and I'll, I'll close with this, and Henry, if you want to say anything else too, I, I, I want to give you the opportunity to, but I, I would just say, like, if you're someone in that position as a listener, um, and you are being hard on yourself, like, just know faith was meant to, and you are someone who believes in Jesus and, and, and does carry faith with them. Like, faith is not a tool that prevents hard times and those moments. Faith is a tool that can, faith is something that it can help sustain us through those moments. It doesn't prevent, it doesn't always protect, though sometimes it can. But what it does is sustain. And that presence of God is meant to, that's part of what it does is it sustains us and it it strengthens us. So the one thing I can say is if as long as you can keep moving and put one foot in front of the other, um, then keep doing it and know that that's enough. As long as you keep moving forward, there, there, the idea in scripture of, of, of persistence is often, is often, uh, illustrated through walking. Uh, right. Psalm 23, I walk through the valley of, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And because of God's presence. And that's, that's the whole point here that we are given faith or we have faith as a way of sustaining, uh, ourselves through this, through, through a mess like this. And so I hope that that's something that can be an encouragement to, to those listening, but Henry, is there anything you would want to close with? I just jump off of that same vein and be like, the struggle is a sign of life, mm-hmm. right? If if you weren't wrestling with things, I would be concerned because then either you're not human because you're so bionically perfect or zombie-ish, nothing phases you, right? Or else you're a zombie and you're a walking dead. Like, you know, literally, you just, nothing phases you because you're not alive. Mm. Remember, like Ryan said, it's... The crisis comes no matter whether you have faith or not. Yep. Whether you're religious or not, COVID-19 will kill. It took out. It shut the world down. I mean, you know, you could Christian nations, quote unquote, or even nations that were atheistic or Buddhist or communist or whatever. I mean, like everything shut. Like, it, you know, it just went everywhere. And, and I think part of what that should hopefully remind us in a globalized world is, first of all, we're all human. We're all in this together. You're not the only one dealing with this problem, mm-hmm. right? You're not the only one that couldn't figure out how to handle COVID-19. Governments couldn't do it. Science couldn't do it. Faith communities failed at it. We failed at it. So the problem isn't the failure. It's whether we just stay down in the mud or we get up and do something about it. If we, you know, faith to me, biblical faith, one thing I like about Christianity personally is that it says that the failure doesn't have to be final. 
It doesn't yep. have to be detrimental. I mean, one of the key things uh, about the, the Messiah story about Jesus is that even death was actually turned into a victory. Yep. Right? It looked like everything was done, and instead that was actually the whole point to get you to the better place to, to get through it. It's not about our inability and unfaithfulness. It's about Messiah's ability and his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I mean, we're doing it here with this podcast, and we thank you guys definitely for being along on that journey. We've had to ask these questions. We've had to wrestle with burnout. We've had to say, all right, let's, we can either have just let it die and stay gone, yep. or we can pick ourselves off the mat and dust off the microphones and, and, and go, you know, we're going to re examine and retool and try this again. And I think as long as we're doing that, then good comes out of it. Then 2020 yep. won't have been a waste. Then COVID won't have been a waste. It will. It'll have been tough. It won't be pretty, but out of the ashes, the phoenix rises, right? Yep. So just stay with that, and we just thank you for staying with us as we went through that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, Henry, I think that was beautiful, and I appreciated it. And as always, it's it's a pleasure to be here and and uh, talking with you. I think this was a great conversation, man. So um, with that, listeners, thank you guys so much for listening and for joining us on this journey. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do so, but check links in the show notes uh, for other ways to connect with us and to reach out to us and let us know uh, how we're doing and how, how you like the, uh, how you liked this episode. This is our first time doing a kind of a new style of, of how we approach the conversation. So with that, have a great week and we will see you guys next time.